Last week in our worship time, the message was on hope. And today I want to speak to us about change. And no, I'm not talking about a political fantasy, but I am speaking about a spiritual reality. You see, God wants each and every one of us to experience change in our lives. A change that brings us closer to Him. A change that will conform us to the image of Christ so that our lives reflect the very nature and glory of God. The first change, of course, is coming to know Him personally. So it's, it's that transformation, it's that change from darkness to light. It, it's that transformation from sinner to saint. It's that transformation from going lost to be found and, and not being reconciled to God to being reconciled to God. And Jesus described it to Nicodemus as being born again. You need to be born again. The change that comes through that spiritual renewal and rebirth. But then the second change is like it in that throughout the daily living that we go about in our lives, God is wanting us to also change in that the way that we behave, in the way that we speak to one another, the, one, the way that we act towards one another. We are to be holy because the Scripture says because He is holy. And so each and every day of our lives, there should be something working within us through the power and the presence and the plan of God to help transform us and make us more like Christ. And so change should be something that's ongoing each and every day. It is an important part of our society, and all we have to do is go to a local bookstore, and you'll discover that real quickly, as they have sections that, that talk of self-help. The self-help book industry is an $11 billion industry today, and that's billion with a B. It is a huge industry. You can go to any bookstore, and you can find a section dedicated to self-help. And you go there, and among the many books, you will find many topics that will talk on one range to another, just a, a vast array of areas of life that you and I might be interested in or have need to learn more about. And as we look through those, you can find a midriff of ways of how we can change or direction that they might give and advice to making those steps that change might happen. But change doesn't always come easily. You and I know that from our own nature, we like to do what we do. And, and when it comes to someone suggesting that we change the direction of our lives or take the advice of someone that uh, might be able to help us, we, we tend to resist. There was a naval warship, a U.S. warship off the coast of Canada. And the night watchman found a, a light off in the distance uh, through, through his watch and he communicated that to the captain of the ship very quickly. And by their investigation, they realized that they were on a collision course. So the captain got on the radio and advised the, the lighthouse or the, or the house that was there, or the light that was there, that there was a uh, collision course that was about to be adverted uh, if they took a degree of turn to the south by five degrees. And not knowing it was a lighthouse, the, the captain was thinking it was another ship saying, turn five degrees and of course he came back going no you turn 15 degrees and this angering the, the, the captain he said I, I am a captain of a ship and I'm demanding that you turn he said no you turn and then being really wanting to exert his authority saying this is a U.S. battleship and I'm commanding you to take a different direction and then slowly he takes his time and the 
lighthouse and says, well, I just work at a lighthouse. It's your call. <laughs> it's your call. And life is like that for you and I as well. We don't always recognize the danger that is ahead, but God gives us free will, and he says to each and every one of us, change needs to occur in your life. But I'm not going to make you change. I'm asking you to follow. I'm asking you to understand the wisdom and truth that is here. And I want you to follow, knowing that indeed this change is good for you. And may I share with you, ladies and gentlemen, that as we live out our lives and the call that God has placed upon our lives, we can choose either to shipwreck or we can decide to change direction and find the greatest blessings that God has ever desired to bestow upon us. But we don't have to look to a midget of books to find the answers. We only need one book that will give us the answers, and it's right here called the Word of God. And it gives us all the direction we need to know what it is to live a life full of God's blessing. And change may come. So if you will, turn with me today to Acts chapter 9, as we'll see as we look at the conversion of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, and the greatest change that we could ever see take place in a man's life. Beginning at verse 1 of Acts chapter 9, we read, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming and laying his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, and and bear my name among the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight and got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be an encouragement to your hearts today because I know that that many of you have sought to see change come into your own lives. Many of you have prayed for years for others who need change to happen in their lives, change for good, change 
for godliness and, and there has been the struggle. But may I share with you today that with God all things are possible to them who believe. We need to understand that today, that there is nothing impossible with God. God is in the business of changing lives, and He wants to see our lives changed that we might live according to His will and to know Him intimately and personally. God changes the hardest of hearts, and He brings about the greatest of results. We are told here in this passage that Saul, who was at that time perhaps one of the greatest enemies of the church, one of the greatest enemies of Jesus Christ, had been persecuting the church. The church had gone through a great upheaval when the stoning of Stephen happened. If we go back just a few chapters in chapter 7 and chapter 8, we will see that Saul was there right in the middle of that persecution and stoning. In fact, he was in hearty agreement, the Scripture says, with those who wanted to pick up stones and kill Stephen for his strong stance of Jesus Christ and his witness. It said that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a man that was follow, a follower of Christ and, and he shared his witness everywhere he went. And because of that witness, those who were of the, the Jewish persuasion stoned him to death and Saul was right there in the midst of that. Because of that persecution, the church scattered all in different directions and Saul was quite willing to follow them wherever they went because his heart and his mind This was a movement. This was uh, an organization that was anti-God. You see, he had sure heard of Christ. He had seen the, the, the people who were worshiping Him and who were serving Him. But this goes against directly against what he was taught and how he had learned to worship and follow God. Paul was a learned man. He, he, he was a, a man who was of the Pharisees and he, he lived the law as strict as possible. And in fact, he himself would say that he was a Hebrew among Hebrews and he was a, a person who followed the law strictly and saw himself as blameless. So we know from his own description that he was a man who was serious about his following God and his faith. But this same faith, this, this same blindness to works and following the law was what kept him going in the wrong direction. He needed change. And so it was on that road to Damascus as he was going to persecute more saints of Christ that he had the first step that needs to be taking place if we're to see real change happen in our lives. And that real change would happen when the first step comes and it is a rude awakening or a sudden awakening. A sudden awakening happened to Paul, but it wasn't just any way. It was awakening to the truth. We read in verse 3 of this chapter that we just looked at in chapter 9. It says he was traveling, and it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. Can you imagine what filled his heart and mind at that moment when this sudden awakening came over him to the truth and the reality that Jesus was alive and that this Jesus in whom he had heard so much about and and heard about the miracles and heard about the teachings and and heard about those who followed that, that he was opposed to all of a sudden now is right in front of him. Can you imagine what must have been going through his heart and what must have been going through his mind as this rude awakening had taken in his life? 
Literally, the, the light bulb, if you will, went off. Have any of you ever had those sudden experiences where you, you, know, you, you just didn't quite get it and, and maybe it had been some scripture that you had been reading or maybe it had been something that a friend or a family member had been trying to share with you and suddenly as you're going through your normal day activities, suddenly the light bulb goes off for some reason and you really get it for the first time. This is what happened to Paul. God had given him a sudden awakening to the truth and the reality that Jesus was God in the flesh. That He was indeed the Savior of the world. Oftentimes, we have to go through difficult circumstances before we can really come to that place where we accept the truth. Paul had been laid flat on his back, so he had no place to look but up. It's a difficult circumstance. But that's where the sudden awakening came. We might even call it a a rude awakening because it comes so hard and sometimes so fast and and, and we didn't even see it coming. It came out of left field, but but there it is. And and you can't deny it and you can't run away from it. It's true. It's not like God hasn't been trying to get our attention before. God speaks truth to us even through His creation. God speaks truth to us through His Word. God speaks truth to us through others who walk with Him and who talk with Him and who fellowship with Him. Even through everyday normal circumstances, God is shouting as as loud as He can, I am here and you need to know me. You need to change. You need to walk with me. So here Paul is in one of the most difficult circumstances of his life and he has nowhere to look but up. I was in one of those circumstances myself many years ago. Only been married three months and enjoying still a honeymoon, so to speak, and I got this nice letter in the mail. It was from our United States government, and it said, Greetings. It was back during the Vietnam War, and so I had just found out after only three months of marriage that I was now inducted into the Army. I went through the basic training, and I went through the advanced military training for infantry, I'd even gone down to Panama, South America, so that I could have advanced infantry training or warfare training in jungle warfare. I knew where I was going, but it didn't make it any easier. And to top it off, on the day that I was flying out from California to a, for a 12-hour flight to Vietnam, my wife and I were talking, and she says, I've got some good news. I'm pregnant. And I'm thinking to myself, Wow, what a wonderful blessing, but I'm headed for Vietnam. And so that 12-hour flight from California to Vietnam was a, a serious time in my life. It was a hard time in my life. And for the first time in my life, I began to seek God and I prayed for that 12 hours. Sitting in the seat, I was praying. Getting up and walking up and down the aisle, I was praying. Just standing still, I was praying. When I went to the bathroom, I was praying. I prayed earnestly and sincerely for the first time in my life because I was in a situation that I had no control over. I was in difficult straits. And for whatever reason, I prayed and I said, Oh God, if you'd just put me driving trucks. I've been through all this training and I know what it's like to be in in the middle of the jungle and, and, and people shooting at you in the middle of battles. I know what it's like. And, oh God, I don't want to kill anybody and I don't want to be killed. If you just put me driving trucks, I know everything will be just fine. Oh God. Three days after we were in country, not knowing where we were going to be assigned, a commandment came down from the headquarters that 
not just myself, but my whole unit was being transferred to a transportation company. Do you think God got my attention in the midst of circumstances that were difficult? I realized God is real. God loves me and He cares for me and He knows my, my every need. And here He hears a prayer that, 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 that I've never even looked hardly at Him before. And for the first time in my life when I'm seeking God because I'm in such in difficult straits, He answers a prayer that shows the reality of His presence and care. I know that may sound harsh to some of you, but change really doesn't come that much through sermons. They don't really happen that often through Bible study. Even in prayer, change doesn't come as quickly as it will through difficult circumstances. You see, when you and I are flat on our back and we have no place else to look up, guess what's going to happen? We get real with God. And God will show up and God will change our circumstances because He knows that we're sincerely and earnestly looking to Him. And so oftentimes difficult circumstances come our way because God wants us to change. There's also then deserved consequences that help in this transformation process. The Old Testament is filled with examples, real life examples like Jonah running from God and, and not wanting to go to Nineveh and then swallowed by the whale. And then there's David who himself got caught up with Bathsheba in that adulterous affair and, and they lost their firstborn child. But it was through those deserved circumstances, those deserved consequences that God was speaking loud and clear that He had good intentions for their lives and for the lives of others. That's why we read in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and, and for your good, not for calamity, but to give you a future and a hope. You see, God wants change in our lives so that He might lead us to greater blessings. We're often so times wanting to, to walk away and, and, and make excuses for and be unbending and unyielding. Even in our deserved consequences, God is seeking to bring about our good and His glory. But there's a second step that goes along with change if it's really to happen in our lives. And that second step is being brutally honest with ourselves. You see, God just doesn't enlighten us. God doesn't just give us this sudden awakening to spiritual truths and realities so that we can just say, well, isn't that nice? God wants us to take the mirror of truth and allow it shine upon our soul, let it shine upon our heart, that we may align our own lives with what we see as reality and truth. But being brutally honest with ourselves is not easy, is it? It's not easy to look inward at our own hearts and, and see the shame and the guilt, and to see the sin. It's not easy to be able to admit that, that we are wrong and God is right. It's something that we learn from childhood. It's something that we learn through adulthood. I remember years ago when my children were small that my wife used to tell me all the time, every time you talk to the children, it sounds harsh. You know, your voice sounds like you're angry and, and, and you're upset with them. And I'm going, I'm not angry and upset. What are you talking about? I, I'm just talking to my children. I, I'm not being mean. What, you don't know what you're talking about. Wives, you ever done that with your husbands? But then I caught myself one day somehow in God's providence. You know how that works out. Working in my man cave, the garage, I was fiddling around with some things, and 
one of my daughters had come in and we were talking about some things. And later on, I had found a, a, a tape recording uh, that I had accidentally made during that period. And I began to listen to it. And you know what? My voice did sound angry. My voice did sound upset. And so I had to come to terms with what was in my own heart and why I was sounding that way and what was going on because, you see, I didn't want to be that way. I just didn't realize that that's what was going on. Paul was the same way. Paul was just trying to, to do what he knew he thought was right. But here in the midst of being blinded in a physical sense, yet his spiritual senses were wide open. And now in this very difficult time of coming to truth and coming to realize that Jesus was God in the flesh... He had no place to look but inward because his physical sight was now taken away so that he might look more inwardly at his own heart. And it says he neither ate nor drank, but he was praying. And during that three-day period, he was doing a self-introspect. He was looking inward at his own life and aligning it with what was true. Oftentimes, we like to live in denial and we don't like to face we, we, we like to, to ignore the problems, and, and that is truly the problem in itself, isn't it? We like to ignore the problems thinking, well, it'll just go away. Somehow it'll, it'll work out. I, I don't need to change anything. It, it, it'll just be just fine all on its own. But the reality is until we face the hardness of our own hearts, change will never come. We like to live in denial. My youngest daughter, Angie, when she was young, especially had a handle on this. She was maybe two or three years old, and oftentimes I would catch her doing something that she wasn't supposed to do, like putting her hands in the cookie jar before dinner. And you know what she would tell me when I would caught her red-handed? I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm not. And I've caught her red-handed. <laughs> you see, we like to live in denial. We, we, we think that it'll be much better for us if we just ignore the problems and go our way. We have these learned skills even from childhood. But also we like to be defensive. Have you ever noticed how when some people are approached and they're confronted with something that they know is wrong, that one of the first things they do is they get defensive? My father was that way. It comes only from a centeredness of pride. One of my father's philosophies was, I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. Now I'm not trying to start any trouble, but some of you here are that way too. We like to get defensive when the truth is brought our way and, and the finger is pointed at us. We don't like that and so we get defensive because we don't want to look at the, the hardness of our heart. We don't want to look at the sinfulness of our own soul. We don't want to deal with the, with the difficulties that we know are there so we turn away from it and we get defensive. And we also like to project blame on others. It's not my fault. Oh, you remember in Genesis... When Adam and Eve were just fresh from eating the forbidden fruit. It tells us there in Genesis that God come walking in the garden and, and he did not see Adam and Eve because they had hid themselves. They heard God walking through the garden and they didn't want to face up to what they had done. And when God approached them, he looked at Adam and he said, Have you eaten of the forbidden fruit? You remember Adam's words? Well, well, Lord, is that, it was that woman. You know, it, 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 was, it was that woman you gave me. He wanted to project blame over to Eve. Now, none of you men have ever done that with your wives, have you? 
But he goes a step further. He not only wants to project blame over on Eve, he even says, God, it wasn't just that woman, but it was that woman you gave me. How many times have we blamed God for our own problems and for our own circumstances? Oh, my friends, we try to project and we try to put the problem on someone else. Eve done the same thing. It was no different from her. For God looked at her and said, what is this you have done? And you know what? She did the same thing. She projected. It was that serpent. He deceived me and I ate. He deceived me. It was his. If he had never deceived me, I wouldn't have eaten of that fruit. Lord, all you know, I wouldn't have done it. But all she's doing is projecting blame onto something else or someone else. And we tend to do the same thing. Saul had nowhere to look but to himself. Because of the zealousness of his own heart and his religion to worship Jehovah God, to, to be loyal to the law, he didn't want to see the sinfulness of his own soul. But now he's flat on his back and he's blinded inside and, and all he could see is himself. And during that time of prayer, I believe that he came to truly understand that he needed a change because the reality of Christ has stood before him. So it brings us to this final step of how we change. And it's really, it's very simple. It's take immediate action. We read in Scripture that as Ananias came and as he approached Saul for the change that was needed in his life, we read in verse 10 that this disciple, Ananias, came and spoke to him. And, he, and God had said to Ananias that he is a chosen, speaking of Saul, he is a chosen vessel of mine and he will bear my name to the Gentiles. And so in verse 17, we hear these words, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. You see, he didn't make excuses. He didn't begin to say, well, you know, now's not a good time. I think I'll, I'll look at it maybe a little bit later. He immediately made a change in his life. He immediately took action upon the truth that had been revealed to him and the understanding of what was really going on in his own heart. And because of that desire to know God, to really walk with God, and to really be the man of God that he wanted to be, he changed. It was all, my friends, because of the grace of God. It was only because of the grace of God that he came to the understanding of the truth. It was only because of the grace of God that he was able to really look into his own soul and see it for what it really was. It was only because of the grace of God that he was able to take those steps of faith and see real change happen. And I'm not talking just about salvation, that first-time experience that these steps apply to, but it applies to each and every one of us each and every day of our lives. We may have known Christ. We may not have, have, have testified of Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior for 50 years. But my friends, if change has not happened, if your life today is not looking more like Jesus Christ than it was yesterday, then you need to reflect on what God is saying to you. You need to look deeper into your own heart and ask yourself the difficult questions. Am I where I need to be? Am I doing the things that God is planned for my life? Or am I simply following my own course? Have I chosen to go my own way or am I really following God's way? Philippians 1.6 is my life verse because it reminds me daily that God is doing a mighty work in me. 
Paul writes in Philippians 1.6 and says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to ask you a question today. What's God been gnawing at your heart about? We see the world around us changing. We see hardship and difficulty everywhere. And we ask ourselves the question, what's the answer? It's change. Real change. And that change only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives and through the church. We want to see a difference happen in our own lives that we might walk closer to God and be a stronger witness. We want to see our family's lives change and be more godly so that we can have a strong foundation in our homes that our children can grow up with and know God and walk with God and stand for God. We want to see this church be a light and a beacon to the community around us. And my friends, change has to happen. And it starts right here with me and you. Whatever God is speaking to your heart today, we want to give you an invitation to respond because that is one of the steps of real change. It's immediate action. It's not making any more excuses. It's not putting off until tomorrow. It's right now, up close and personal. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sins, don't allow yourself to say, it's too late for me. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of Satan. It's too late for me. It's never too late when we're asking God to change things because our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Whatever he's speaking to your life today, maybe it's for salvation. Maybe it's for that that moment like Paul when you say, Jesus is Lord. Or maybe it's just, I need to walk closer and more obedient to him. We're going to give an invitation in just a few moments and give you opportunity to take that immediate action. Don't let anything hold you back. I know that the Spirit of God is moving and talking and speaking to many of you sitting here today. Don't sit idle. Respond. And Father, we thank You. We thank You for the moving of Your Spirit. We thank You for the example of the Apostle Paul. We recognize that You have made a dramatic change in his life because of revealing truth those sudden awakenings, that brutal honesty that we, that we take the truth and really let it reflect upon our own soul. Where are we in alignment with You? Lord, that, that immediate action is where we really get hung up. Father, don't let us tarry, but move us by Your Spirit, I pray, for Your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to give an invitation. If anyone is here today and you're looking for a home church, come down. We would love to be a part of First Baptist. We seek God with all of our heart, and, and we know that His truth will change lives. Perhaps they're speaking to you about salvation today. Come. If God has been speaking to you about what's going on in the home or how you might need to even be more involved with your Christian witness, but you haven't, Come. Just kneel down here and pray. Say, God, forgive me and set me on the right path. As we sing, we'll be here to meet you. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. God bless you as you come. Oh,